Welcome to the Red Dirt Nation podcast. My name is Warren Crank and I'm here with Ruth Stainbrook today. And we're going to talk soon about homelessness in Australia. But at this particular point, I'd love to introduce to you the wonderful Ruth Stainbrook. Ruth, tell us a bit about your story. Hi. Um, I don't know what I could tell you about my story. Um, I live in Townsville. I'm married to Michael, who's a pastor of our small church, Upper Ross um, Baptist Church. I have two daughters that are both grown up. Both of them are over 40 um, and five grandchildren. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> so uh, it's a very busy home here. I'm actually at their kitchen table, their dining table, um, and it's a home I've been to a lot. They're very welcoming people, the Stainbrooks, so it, you'll feel their hospitality if you ever drop on by. Now, Ruth, what's your sort of family of history story? And um, tell us a bit about where you've been that brought you here. Um, I was actually born in Ghana. My parents were English and they were always desperate to get away from England. And so they'd been to Africa a couple of times, staying in Kenya, then going back to London and then to Ghana where I was born. I have no memory of Ghana other than a birth certificate that says I was born there. But uh, we then went back to England and came to Australia again when I was about seven, three and left when I was about seven and then came back when I was 16. And so backwards and forwards, my life has been, as the first part of my life, a lot of movement around always being the new girl in the class. And since I've been back into Australia, I've done the opposite of my parents. I've stayed in the same place for a very long time, lived in the house for a very long time and had the same job for a very long time. So complete opposite. We'll talk about that job soon. Now, um, I guess moving around as a child would prepare you for what it feels like, all the disruption for families and children that are in states of homelessness or at least always on the move. So there must be something there that... Um, helps you understand that a little bit. We are looking to um, the the stats of homelessness in Australia. So let's start with the biggest picture. Paint that for us, Ruth, and then we'll sort of go down to your particular role. Um, unfortunately, the stats for homelessness in Australia haven't actually changed very much. There are around about 105 to 115,000 people who are homeless. Now, that includes children that are with their parents as well as young people, but that actually hasn't changed, and that's a really sad thing. It's stayed very consistent since I started working with homeless people over 30 years ago. So it's not really uh, a war we're winning, so to speak, and um, and obviously that's a big number of people, but it also boils down to individuals who are on Struggle Street, basically, for all sorts of reasons, and we might talk about some of the reasons that cause people to experience homelessness soon. So that's the Australian data. We're here in Townsville, which is in the northern part of Australia, for those of you who may not know. Uh, what's it like here for people who experience homelessness? Um, I guess the kind of families, we're working with families in the organisation I work with, and they um, typically are women who have um, left relationships because of domestic violence, uh, some intact families, but generally uh, a large proportion of First Nations people, um, lots of people who find themselves homeless for lots of different reasons. Um, in Townsville, for instance, there's no really good stats about homelessness, but there's two kinds of homelessness. There's the sort of homelessness that we work with, where people are doubling up, haven't got their own property, are sleeping with their children in the lounge 
lounge room floor, all those sorts of things that are very disruptive to families. And then there's the other type of homelessness that most people think about, which is that, you know, people living on the streets. And in Townsville, that number is about 150 people people at any given time living in parks, living on the streets, under bridges. Um, but the bigger part of homelessness is the bit that people don't see, the part where people are staying with other, other families. And generally, um, we see around six to 700 families every year. Now, they will be in some sort of housing crisis. So they could be being evicted, need some help so that they're not evicted, getting into somewhere else, staying with people. But that's a significant number of families and a significant number of children. So it's called hidden homelessness, isn't it, that um, that people struggle with. And, and sometimes it's out of sight for us but and therefore out of mind, but it still is a very big deal. In fact, I was in the shopping centre up here in Townsville and we, we were catching up with some people, just bumped into them actually, and they were yarning about a trip to the US they had recently where homelessness is a lot more visible. Uh, and But if you go to major Australian cities, you're going to see plenty of that still. But um, So when we talk about homelessness, we have to recognise that it's hidden from us, uh, but it remains a very real problem. Now, Ruth, tell us about the... Um, the organisation that you lead that helps people in these crisis situations? So the organisation that I work for is called FEET, Family Emergency Accommodation Townsville. It's been um, around for quite a long time. It's about um, 40 years old, 41 years old. Um, it was right at the very beginning of homelessness and came out of... Um, when they had the tra they had the cyclone here and their families were homeless and so it's built um, itself up it's lot there's lots of housing we've got 61 properties some of them are short-term properties and so we work with people and we try and get them back on their feet uh, get them going again help them to find some long-term accommodation but we've also got a whole range of long-term accommodation which means that people a bit like public housing can stay there and we've had people in housing for six, seven years. And so the kind of work that we do with families is really around what do they need to do to get themselves going, you know, and um, trying to sort out their issues around their children, getting their kids into school, helping them to find other accommodation. So there's a reminder that actually natural disasters can also be a cause of homelessness and some people lose everything and have to start again and starting again is never ever easy. So uh, give a shout out to those people who've actually had to start again because of a natural disaster. You might be listening in now. We want to honour you because it isn't easy to do that. Now, I want to talk about leadership for a moment, Ruth, because you're a rare person in that you've been working 32 years in this industry and for feet um, all or most of that time anyway. Tell us a little bit about what it's like to lead uh, over that period of time because some people listening in are in very important roles and sometimes you know the burdens are, are huge and you feel like you want to run away so how have you sort of dealt with leading in such a desperate sort of situation over such a long time? I think for me it's always to have a very clear vision about what you're doing and it's around wanting to help people. There's something inside of me, obviously, um, that God put there that wants to help people. And so um, that keeps me going. I hear a lot of people talking about getting burnt out. 
I've never gotten burnt out because I think I've stayed very um, committed to what the vision of the organisation is, is to basically to help people. Um, and that really, uh, given that I was a community worker before I was the manager, has really held me in good stead, I think. Um, We've had uh, lots of changes of staff over those years, lots of different management committees, lots of different funding, and it's really to try and steer a course, uh, particularly in a non-government agency, when everything around you, you know, changes in government affect you every time. So it's just trying to steer a course for your organisation, rem remain really committed to what your core values and your core activities are, and not go off on a tangent. That's really good and, and important to note that it's a non-government organisation. Um, what do you think the difference is, Ruth, between those two organisations? I mean, people working in government roles in similar fields are also doing a fantastic job. But what, why, do you, why have you stuck with the non-government agency side of things? There's a huge difference between the non-government and the government sector because the non-government sector is not compelled by any law to do something. It chooses to work in a specific field because it has a, feels like it has a commitment to that group of people. It's usually started up by like a grassroots movement and that's certainly how our organisation started. At, not as a response to funding, can, how can we take this money and do something with it, but we see a problem in our community and how do we do something about that? How do we make things better for everybody in our community? And so for me, it's that con really connectedness to people. Um, in a small organisation like ours with 10 staff, uh, the manager is very connected to what happens on the ground. And I think that's a really good thing to have practitioners who are making decisions about people's lives in the organisation because, and that's often what you don't get in the non-government sector. You get a whole group of people who are doing fantastic work on the ground, but sometimes it's about what the minister or what the head of department wants done and so they're very unconnected at times so that's the main reason really now ruth uh, she can be a bit feisty by the way ruth and, and will make a stand for the people that she she supports and wants to protect so what's it like sometimes to be in those situations where you have to be a little bit courageous ruth um, I think it's hard because I'm naturally, even though people will laugh at this, quite a shy person. But um, I think you really have to find your voice. You really have to stand up and, and be prepared to speak up for the people that you're working for. Um, and I think that gets back to having a real heart for that group of people and wanting to speak out. And sometimes it makes you unpopular. People think, um, and you don't really want to stand up in a meeting and say the opposite to what everybody else is saying. But sometimes it's about doing the right and the fair thing um, and that's been very important for me and I think long term it you know it helps to keep you um, grounded I think and committed to doing what you're doing and I think people can see that. Well we want to celebrate the shy people who are bold enough to and passionate enough to make a stand so if that's you we want to just commend you for what you're doing. You're listening to the Red Dirt Nation podcast. I'm here with Ruth Stainbrook, who's worked in the homelessness sector uh, for 32 years. Pretty rare, and it's pretty difficult work. So I want to talk a bit about domestic violence, Ruth. It's not an easy topic to talk about, but an important one for us. It's a big problem in Australia. We're trying to address it, but sometimes it feels like we're losing that battle. So can we hear from your perspective just the impact of domestic violence, particularly as it relates to homelessness. 
Domestic violence still remains the number one cause of homelessness. And if you're looking at families who are homeless, children, teenagers who are in shelters, men who might be in men's shelters, you'll find one common theme, and that's domestic violence. Um, we haven't really made any inroads. In fact, since um, we in Townsville we faced the floods a couple of years ago and then, of course, now COVID, it's actually made things a lot worse. And yes, it's true that we, there's been a lot of campaigns and so people are speaking out more about domestic violence, but there certainly has been an increase. Um, and the effects for, for women and children are really devastating, particularly for children who are witnessing violence all the time. And there's just too much of it happening. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a really a, a terrible thing for children to be growing up in families where, and there might be multiple partners, there might be in one um, situation with, with a violent um, dad or stepdad and then another one and it's just it's too common say someone listening to this is struggling it might be a, a, a fella struggling with uh, anger and is prone to violence what where can they reach out to what organizations do you sort of point people to ruth there's quite a lot of support for uh, i shouldn't say quite a lot there are some support agencies for men who are experiencing anger um, and certainly in townsville there's the domestic violence resource center and they run a number of groups for men there is also a lot of, quite a few indigenous agencies in terms of that run groups for men that are all done fairly casually um, it really is looking at how do you get men to change their behavior and that's a very difficult one because um, you know, when people have power, they don't like to let go of it. And so changing people's um, relationships and changing how they react to uh, situations is very difficult because often what men think is that, and it's true to some extent, that violence works. It doesn't ultimately get you what you want, but it if you shout or scream or are threaten to hit somebody, it gets what you want in the short term, someone to shut up, someone to do what you want them to do. Long term, we know it doesn't work for relationships. But um, certainly in terms of the courts and the police system, a lot more work needs to be done to keep people really accountable for their behaviour. So fellas um, that are listening in, it's, it's on us uh, to um, do the personal work, which is hard. I mean, a lot of us are broken. We've come from broken backgrounds. There are triggers there that we don't think we put there. Um, so, you know, we're not saying that this is easy or that everything's your fault, actually. We're not. But the responsibility remains with you to do the personal work, to be a great husband, to be a great partner, to be a great dad. So uh, we, want, we want to encourage you on that journey and to reach out to some organizations, um, men's groups that can help you in that situation to be a better person. And ultimately, that'll mean when you get to the end of your life, you've got a lot more awesome, good things to look back on rather than a trail of tragedy and destruction. So we really want to encourage you to do that. Now, you're a, a spiritual person, you're a Christian person. How does that inform you or help you in the work that you um, are called to do? Um, I think this go I think when I'm thinking about this, I always remember that you know I did was called to do this work before I was a Christian. And it reminds me that I think that in two things that we, we know God has a plan for this world. 
and we know he has a rescue for this world but he also has a plan for individual people and I always think about how he had a plan for me and he knew all about me long before I knew about him and I really think he has put me in certain places and situations that have really um being part of his plan for me. And so to be in Townsville at this time, to be working with people who are homeless, all of that I think is God's design. You know, to meet Michael, to become a Christian, I think all of that's God's design. And I think the thing that keeps me going in all of this is I know this is not how it's meant to be. People should not be in these situations. People should not be homeless. We should have better responses. There should not be violence in families children should not be being hurt and I'm just trying to do my little bit to try and make some difference to people and I feel very committed to being part of God's plan for that and I never really get um, angry or fed up with the people that we're working with because I know that they like like me are just struggling just trying to find their way in life wow that's that's so there's gold there what a gold drop that is now, for people who might be listening in, Ruth, who are in this caring sectors or uh, thinking about this sort of work, what advice would you give them um, as they shape up their thinking and maybe get ready for good and long work in this sector? What advice would you give a younger person starting out? You know, sustainability is a real issue in our sector because so many people come into it and uh, want to change the world and then get very frustrated and disillusioned and then leave. So in terms of staying in and staying the the course, you really have to um, be thinking about why you want to do it. Um, If you're wanting to help people, if you have a value that says um, that a lot of things that happen to people are not their fault, that when people are faced with very limited choices, Sometimes they will make bad choices. Um, And it's the situations that people find themselves in. When I look at homeless people, and I know the stats about homeless people, so many of them have had very disruptive lives as children, often have um, faced a lot of abuse, sexual abuse, and been in very violent relationships. And they, uh, it's really put them on a path that um, they've really tried to destroy themselves and destroy other people around them. So I I try not to blame people. It's hard, it's really hard not to blame people um, for their situations, but too much in our world at the moment, it's around blaming the poor, blaming the disadvantaged, all of those things. And when I was at uni in the 80s, I thought we would never go back to that, you know, uh, deserving and undeserving poor, but we are right in the middle of it. And nothing uh, that I think is really difficult. You cannot um, help people if you A, don't like people, Um, and B are going to blame them for everything because that will just eat away at your heart and you will not be able to do the work. And that's what I say to my staff every day, guard your heart. And initially when they first come and work for us, they think I'm saying to them, don't be too soft-hearted because you'll get your heart broken. No, I'm saying don't be hard-hearted. If you've got a hard heart, this is not the work for you. Tremendous. So uh, we want to shout out to people who work in the nursing sector, homelessness, uh, who, who have to draw on resources of compassion day in and day out. And Ruth has been doing that day in and day out for 32 years. 
This is the Red Dirt Nation podcast. My name's Warren Crank, and I'm talking to Ruth Stainbrook, who's worked in the homelessness sector for 32 years and counting. Now, there's a succession coming up for you down the track, Ruth. We don't know exactly when. What what do you look for in people who can emerge as leaders in this area? Because it's one thing to do the work, but there's another thing to lead teams to do the work. So what have you learned from a leadership perspective that would you'd like to see in someone who sooner or later will step into your big shoes? Well, it's always a big, steep learning curve. I certainly had one as a leader. I think one of the things that I've gotten a lot better at, and some people it's for natural, I'm very decisive. I can make all the decisions. I can talk to government, all of that stuff. But one of the things that's been um, a challenge to me is to be really encouraging and supportive to staff, um, to look at what people's strengths are and then to try and build, build them and, and bring them out. And that's been really difficult. Um, I think as a leader, you tend to be wanting everybody to be the same at the same time and they're not their strengths and so when I look at the team of people that we've got at feet and I see that some people have some incredibly um, you know strong in one area other people are weak in that area so it's looking at the whole team um, and that's been a learning for me um, to really think about you know what can I do to um, bring the best out of people Oh, that's awesome. So we want to encourage people in leadership, women in leadership, and Ruth and a whole bunch of people that we've uh, hosted on this podcast are, are women who are leading at a high level and doing just such great work. Now, we're going to shift now to some more personal stuff for Ruth. She's obviously had a bit of a journey in her life. Uh, Yana, we talked about at the beginning and around, but we want to focus in on Australia now, the land we love, and ask you, Ruth, where's somewhere in Australia that you really love or somewhere that blew you away? Well, I always think Mission Beach, and I think... Um for a number of reasons. I've always sort of holidayed there because it's halfway between. I've got a twin in Cairns. And so we've always been there a lot as children, you know, taken our children there. And it's one of the first places that when Michael did come to Australia to visit, I took him to. And we tend to go back to Mission Beach every anniversary at least. <laughs> um, and I just love it because I love that you're on the beach. It's a beautiful big beach. And there's hardly a soul on there most time you're there. Um, we're always looking looking out for the crocodiles, but we never find them. But yeah, it's, it's a fantastic place. So Mission Beach, North Queensland, check it out. And if you can get out and about and you're looking to holiday in Australia, which a lot of us are, come and check out this part of the world. It's beautiful, particularly at this time of year. And the last thing, Ruth, we want to talk about today, because you have accrued a lot of wisdom over the years, some of it through learning by experience, some of it through learning, hopefully, from other people's wisdom. But if you could pass on one thing to people listening in today, uh, just to help them along in life or to give them just a bit of advice, what would that be? Well, I always think you have to do two things. You, ha you can't do just one thing well. You've got to do multiple things well. And so when I'm thinking about, um, you know, being wise to people or giving some wisdom, I would say to people to do the two things, which is to be really brave um, but to be really kind and that's hard to get that in the right measure um, it's learning but it's something that I have you know learned and I think I I'm better at both of them now <laughs> well there it is you've heard from Ruth and uh, an incredible journey in homelessness 
and it's just been great to yarn with her today. So we want to shout out to you wherever you are in this wide red land and hope you're having a good day. And we just want to commend Ruth for all that she's done over such a long time and thank her for giving us some of her time today. So bless you and we'll catch up with you somewhere down the track. See ya.